Uh, thank you all for having us down again. It's been a while since we've been here. I desire your prayers while I'm up here. can't remember what I spoke on since when I was last here. As I tell my wife a lot, I've slept since then. But I, I would like to, if the Lord wills, turn our attention this morning as I've prayed we've come together to worship Him in spirit and truth unto Him as our peace. I'll start reading from the 16th chapter of John, and this comes in the 33rd verse. He's speaking to his disciples. He's had a very long discourse with them across the past few chapters. This is all leading up to his betrayal, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his eventual ascension. And he summarizes it prior to his prayer by telling them, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In me you might have peace. How often it is that we find ourselves without peace, especially in this world, and he has given us a wonderful promise that all of these things which he told the disciples, he told them for the express manner that in him they would have peace. Prior to this, one of the places he one of the out of the 15th chapter, the 18th verse, he tells them, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. The world is full of idols. It's full of vainglorious things that we might be tempted to seek after them in place of our Lord. He reminds his disciples that they would face persecution, that the servant is not greater than his master, that as the Lord Jesus was persecuted unto death, so even all of his disciples, all of his sheep shall be persecuted. Maybe not unto death, but they shall suffer persecution in the world. And he summarizes his discourse with them by telling them that they will have tribulation. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Just to look at the book of Acts and examine how much tribulation they did pass through. Brother Blake read from Acts chapter 8 this morning. They had just witnessed the stoning of Simon. Saul consenting to that stoning. Going out and persecuting the church with a great zeal. And yet we have prior to that when Peter and I think it was James, I think it was John actually. We turn to the third chapter of Acts. I'm, I'm sorry, the fourth chapter of Acts. Yep, Peter and John. They are arrested. They are brought before the council. And they give this testimony starting in the ninth verse. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he was made whole. Reading in the third chapter, they made a impotent man whole, where he may stand on his feet and walk. He had been that way for 40 years. And Peter brings it to the point, brings the point out and tells the council, the Sanhedrin that had been the priest, there were other priests that had been brought together. He says, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against him. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these, th- with these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them as manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them and let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above forty years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Now, this great testimony given to us by Luke out of the book of Acts gives us a good example of the conduct of the apostles in the face of threats, in the face of violence, being placed under arrest, being brought unto the leaders, to the civic leaders of the day, and being demanded a testimony. Peter stands and gives a very good testimony, a true testimony, in that he testifies that the man that was made whole was made whole by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he further declares unto them that they had crucified him and God had raised him from the dead. And he refers back to the 118th Psalm when he tells them, This is the stone which was set at all of you builders, which has become the the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, he, he told his disciples that he had told them all these things that they might have peace in him. Now, Peter is the picture of that peace in the sense he is the picture of one in whom the peace of Christ dwells, standing before the civic leaders who have the power to put him to death, giving them a testimony of Jesus Christ of Nazareth being raised from the dead by the power of God Almighty, that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, but by Jesus Christ and Him alone. Here is the picture of peace and the picture of tribulation. Because Christ promised them in the world they should have tribulation. And Peter and John were having tribulation at this very point. Then there was Paul in the, in the Philippian jail around midnight singing psalms and praises unto God. Now, these men had been taken into the innermost portion of the dungeon, had chains bound about them, and the peace of Christ dwelled in their hearts such that they sung psalms and praises unto God Almighty there in the very middle of the night when, when everything is quiet, when there is no other noise by, but that, and a man, basically a man's by himself at that time of night. You think about, think about those sleepless nights you might have and, just imagine a time when you can't go to the living room and turn on the TV or you can't 
get on an iPad or your iPhone and look up the news or watch some funny video, but you wake up and it's, it's absolutely dark. Now, these men were in the midst of that jail. And, and, and the, the account reads it such that it, they never went to sleep. But through the night, they were singing and praising God. Someone might say, well, why would they, why would they praise God? Well, if we go a little bit further in Acts, next chapter, once again, Peter's, he's, he's put in the prison again. Not just that, but it says, laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Acts 5 and 18. Now the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. When they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel sent to the prison to have them brought. When the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly we found shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers, and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now remember, Peter had been threatened beforehand. And he asked him, is it better to obey God than man? You answer that. And now he's brought again before them. And he tells them plainly, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witness of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Now they take counsel, and Gamaliel gives a prudent warning in the 38th verse, reminding them of several others who had risen up, drew many people after them, such as Judas of Galilee. They all perished. And he says in the 38th verse, I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, Lest, ye hap- lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Notice the next verse. I read all that to kind of lead up to this. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, the apostles had suffered imprisonment. They had suffered being brought before the council, being made to give an account, and they were even beaten as you know further threats against them. This time they suffered violence. And when they departed, what does the, what does Luke write? He writes that they were they were rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. That's that. It's it's just amazing to me that after all this. 
the apostles would rejoice. And herein lies the peace of Christ amongst His people, that we are to look unto Him who is the author and finisher of our faith for all of our peace. No matter what trials and tribulations might rise up in this life, He has promised us that we will suffer tribulation and that we will suffer trials. And, it, and, and common sense, even common sense dictates such because when you look outside to a, to a world that is consumed with itself, to a world that rejects the Lord Christ, that will not believe because, as Paul wrote, what things knoweth the man, save the spirit of man which is with it, within him, therefore knoweth no man the things of God except the Spirit of God. And so, having not the Spirit of God and being not filled with the Spirit of God, they cannot receive the things of God. They are not of God. And therefore, let's just put it in plain terms, we're outnumbered. When you think about it that way, in this life, in this world, we're outnumbered. Yet we have peace in Jesus Christ because of what He said there at the end of that 33rd verse, I have overcome the world. All of these things that are brought against the children of God, all of these things that Christ's sheep suffer are because they are of Him. They have been counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And what greater communion do we... What uh, you know? This is a form of communion that we have with our Lord and that we suffer shame with Him. It may not be being physically beaten. It may not be being put to death. We may suffer the loss of a friend. We may suffer the disrespect of co-workers. People may look at us and say, them people are plumb weird. But that's a form of persecution. Now look, look around you. The fact that we're all sitting here on a Sunday morning when other folks are riding their boats, cutting their yards, watching, watching, some, watching something on, the t- on, t- on television, and yet we have all gathered to worship the Lord because all that He has done for us. Peter tells them plainly twice that He is, he is the Savior. He is the high priest. He is the prince of peace. That's a, that's a title given to him out of Isaiah 9 and 6. Isaiah is saying, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And this peace is under his sheep, being a shepherd, leading them by the still waters giving them good pasture. And he tells his disciples earlier in the, 14th cha- in the 14th chapter, in the 27th verse, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why should we be afraid? Why should our hearts be troubled when by faith, when by faith we laid hold upon the promises of God through Jesus Christ our Lord? Having, having this assurance that he has done all that is required of God the Father. Paul, wrote, Paul writes to the, to the Roman church in the fifth chapter and the first verse, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we were justified, we were declared just by his blood, and yet we receive this justification by faith. He says in the ninth verse, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And yet in the first verse, He said, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope 
of the glory of God. What is our rejoicing? The apostles had rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. This was a seal unto them that they were indeed of Christ. They were Christ. They were His disciples. They were His sheep. And as such, they suffered shame of the people because the people could not, the people had rejected Christ and in the same manner they rejected the apostles. They would not hear their words. The, the priests and the Sadducees, that whole Sanhedrin council which had gathered together to, to put the Lord's Christ or God's, the, the Father's Christ to death to crucify Him upon the cross, this same council had gathered together and made threats and actually brought to violence His apostles. And yet they departed in peace, having received this seal of persecution, that they are indeed the Lord's. And being justified by His blood, being justified by faith, they have peace with God through, their, through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have peace? It is through Jesus Christ, through, through His blood. We receive this peace, we receive this justification, having in our hearts the seal, having in our hearts faith, I didn't say it right, having in our hearts, hearts faith to receive justification and being brought to peace with God through, Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see what Paul is saying here. By whom also we have access, by faith, into this grace. This peace is received by faith. And faith is a gift of God, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this peace we receive through faith, by the gift of God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, Paul writing to the Ephesian church, showing them that He is not only the peace that we have in our hearts, but He is the peace for the church. In, in that time... There was a great, you know, if, if we go back and we think for a second, for thousands of years, God had revealed Himself to the Jews and exclusively to the Jews. There were a few exceptions. You had, you had the, woman, the, the widow woman that Elijah roomed with, but for the most part, exclusively to the Jews, God had revealed Himself. And now, Jesus Christ coming, fulfilling the whole law of God, suffering for the sins not only of the fold of Jews, but for the fold of the Gentiles, which he would bring in. He establishes his church. And Paul, writing to the Ephesians, tells, tells them, He is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So you see, he's not only the peace of us on a, to us on an individual basis, he's the peace of his church. If his church suffers tribulation, if there's great controversy stirred up in the land, let's not look to something someone says out there, or let's not look to a politician or a leader to bring us peace and to bring us stability, but let's look unto Jesus Christ. And if it is by His will that His church has suffered great persecution, then let us rejoice in the fact that we have been counted worthy to suffer shame for His name's sake, that His name may be glorified above every other name. 
And Paul, he, he speaks on this being, he speaks on this peace that is brought not only between the Jews and the Gentiles, but between us and God, reconciling, reconciling us by, by the blood of His cross. He says in Colossians, the first chapter and the 20th verse, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. I think that's what I spoke of last time was reconciliation. And it all kind of works together that He is our peace. He has left peace with us. In Him we have peace. In the world we have tribulation. But let's rejoice in the fact that we suffer persecution. Whether it be the the wronging, you know, whether it be some person who we thought was a friend betraying us, putting us to shame, or making a mockery of us, or even unto death, I, I earnestly pray that we will all rejoice in that day that we suffer persecution, regardless of what the degree is. John... He, he wrote, you know, he left us with a few epistles. And in his first epistle, I think he laid it out pretty good as far as the peace we have with Christ. And his epistle starts with, to me, it starts with great weight. And he lays the foundation that he is an eyewitness of the things which had happened beforehand. And he was writing largely to an audience that had never seen Jesus Christ. He was writing to people that had never had never held the held things with their hands had never really witnessed the accounts that the apostles were laying forth and he says that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested unto us that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, how is our joy full? How is our joy absolutely full to the brim? How does our cup runneth over? Is it not through Jesus Christ our Lord? Is it not through meditating upon, as we sung this morning, upon the woe? Upon that, upon that crimson river of blood which flowed from His veins paying all of our sins off before the throne of God? Is it not upon the fact that He presented Himself once before the holy place, before the very presence of God Almighty to present His blood a payment, a sacrifice, a sweet savor before the throne of God, before the altar, that all of our sins may be paid off in full that the debt may be paid, that by Jesus Christ we may have access unto the throne of grace in the time of need, and that as He is our author and finisher of our faith, just as the Hebrew writer commenced with his twelfth chapter, with the twelfth chapter of Hebrews, when he said, "Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race which is with patience. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us." looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye might be wearied and faint in your minds. So, brethren, I hope this is 
has been received under your edification, under all our edification this morning, that we have peace in Christ and in Christ alone. Thank you.